Hello, and welcome to Policy Pod by LDA. My name is Matt Goche, and I'll be your host. This podcast aims to break down common trends, problems, and concepts in the life insurance market. We wanted to create a place where we can talk about the things that confuse clients and advisors alike. This episode, we'll be talking about life insurance as an asset class and are joined by Pierre Gorbanian, Business Development Director of Advanced Markets at BMO Insurance, as well as Nick Ferguson, Senior Account Executive here at LDA. Before we get to the interview, I would like to talk to you about your block of business. We hear from advisors all the time that the more carriers they offer on their shelf, the more cluttered their block becomes. With policy renewals, issue dates, clients across multiple carriers, it can be quite complicated to keep your block organized. However, we have a solution. With the life design analysis, you can import your entire block of business into LDA. It will automatically sort your clients, organize your enforced policies, and give you ongoing reminders about upcoming renewals, birthdays, and more. You can sort your enforced policy by urgency level to see what upcoming renewals are imminent, And our platform will even pre-generate insurance cases for term renewal and conversion opportunities. To learn more about how life design analysis can help with your in-force block of business, contact us today at info at lifedesignanalysis.com or go to our website and select the Ask Us a Question tab on the right-hand side. Before we get into the interview, I'd like to introduce our guests. Nick Ferguson, and Pierre Gorbanian. Nick has been an integral part of the LDA team for five years. Originally, he began his industry journey studying his CFP designation along with completing a number of other licenses along the way. Having worked for CIBC and always being a tech-forward person, joining LDA was an easy transition. Now Nick works with all levels of the distribution chain from independent advisors, carriers, MGAs, and wealth management firms. A veteran insurance expert, Pierre has spent more than 20 years serving advisors across Canada. He focuses on delivering the highest caliber of service and advice to insurance advisors, as well as their clients. He is a national resource for BMO's suite of insurance solutions, specializing in financial and estate planning strategies, including generational wealth transfer and corporate-owned life insurance strategies. He's an associate member of Kalu, a member of Advocus, and a member of STEP Canada. Pierre also writes and publishes numerous articles on insurance planning matters. Thank you guys for joining us today. Well, thanks, Matt. Thanks for having us. So Pierre, I'd uh, like to give a little bit of a background on who you are and uh, your role at BMO, as well as a little bit of history and background of your employment. Sure. Uh, again, uh, my name is Pierre Gorbanian. I do work at BMO Insurance, Advanced Markets. I, you know, in terms of my background, I've sort of been at this uh, business for a good solid 20 years now. It's kind of crazy. Started off at uh, Canada Life, did that for a few years, and then moved off into the advisory world, uh, kind of specialized in uh, niche, niche uh, pension solutions, namely RCAs, and doing, doing a little bit of corporate loan life insurance as well. Um, and then about 20, I think it's 2010, 2011, 2011 actually, um, I got connected with the wholesale or with a uh, recruiter and uh, we had conversations about uh, BMO insurance and uh, potential this new department that was sort of being uh, created, advanced markets to sort of uh, look after the larger case market, working on conceptual selling. So basically my role ultimately is 
sort of helping our wholesalers across the country and their advisors and positioning large cases, sales concepts, working with um, the various units within BMO Insurance, actuarial, underwriting, our, our underwriting consultants on complex cases, and working with advisors and their centers of influences and trying to nudge these cases along and uh, get them to settle. That's effectively what we do at the Advanced Markets. Right on. So uh, the concept that we're talking about uh, this month is using life insurance as an asset class. And it's not a typical use, obviously, when people think of term life insurance or end of life. So how, like, what is the concept uh, more broader than that, as, as well as how does it really differ from those traditional asset classes like stocks and bonds? Yeah, so I mean, uh, insurance as an asset class, it's 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 basically a way of kind of structuring your your overall portfolio. And so with with insurance, uh, it's not quite directly say like a, a stock or a bond because there isn't a direct correlation between the two. Because usually there's some sort of lag that happens uh, along the way. So if you have something like a whole life policy, you know, obviously there's stocks and bonds inside the whole life investment fund along with other things. Um, but when, if there's a, you know, a really great year in the equity markets, you're not going to see this immediate lift in your whole life investment portfolio. Conversely, if there's a really bad year, it's not going to take a really big crash either. So, you know, it, it basically has this, a, a, I would say a, um, a delayed uh, reaction to what, what's happening in the markets. And that can be very helpful in the client's overall portfolio and managing sort of the, some of the emotions that go into investing. Perfect. And what are the different types of life insurance policies that can be used, uh, such as whole life or universal life? Yeah, I mean, like, like uh, as a whole, I would say UL and whole life are, are the main core policies you're going to be using, uh, you know, and uh, depending on how you structure the policies, uh, you know, as an example for whole life, or for universal life, you know, you can pick an equity account and you can have that instant reaction to equity markets. Uh, conversely, you can pick something like a, like a GIC equivalent, a GIA is what we sort of call it, where it doesn't have a direct connection between uh, the markets and it's just tied to a fixed bond rate. And then you can have like balanced portfolios, which have delayed, re partially delayed reactions. And then, or, then you can have like smoother turn funds which are sort of these uh, whole life funds that are inside a universal life policy. So typically it'll guarantee no negative returns. You're gonna get market performance, but you're not gonna sort of have these immediate reactions to the ups and downs. And then you can also go into private equity investments as well inside universal life policies. So you could have private mortgages inside UL policies. And those are quite, a, quite interesting because those are not directly related to Bond, bond or equity markets. They're typically tied to prime lending rates. Uh, so we've kind of seen in the last um, nine months or so within our UL lineup, a couple of our private mortgage funds where the returns have just suddenly jacked up quite rapidly because prime interest rates have gone up. Mm -hmm. And typically these kinds of mix are tied to the way they're structured as prime plus two, prime plus five, prime plus 10 depending on the deals that these underlying fund companies um, are securing. 
And so of course, whole life, just the, the whole life is actually the, the, the main market yeah. that we typically see in the market that's typically being used. But with us, we have a good mix between UL and whole life that's being used as part of this concept. Got a question there for you, Pierre. So it, it kind of understanding the, the, the basics of the concepts kind of as we talk about it here is using like a, a UL or a whole life then something uh, an advisor would would effectively use to kind of replace a part of an existing portfolio or, or is it something that's standalone? Like what, how, how would you consider that from your perspective? Um, I think it could, it could probably, I would say, complement what you're sort of doing. Um, so like, you know, for example, if you have a lot of uh, GICs and up until uh, a few months ago, GIC returns were not that particularly great. Mm-hmm. So if people were using a lot of whole life, you know, reallocating the assets and replacing that, right? But now, fast forward to 2023, GIC rates are looking pretty attractive, mostly on a shorter duration. Uh, I find the like T-bills, one, five, 10-year bond rates, really attractive. The longer duration bonds, the 25, 30-year bonds, um, not much of a, an improvement. There has been some improvement. Uh, so I think fast forward to 2023, maybe they won't be replacing it, but could complement that strategy so you're not necessarily putting all your eggs into one basket got it got it so we're really kind of just helping to de-risk the portfolio then absolutely yeah yeah and of course you know because it is a universal life pulse or a whole life or you well it doesn't really matter uh you know there are a lot of as benefits that go beyond uh the investment returns right you know i think the biggest thing is can be the, be the fact that it's a tax sheltered investment vehicle, right? So all the gains you're realizing are not being, you know, are not issuing, you're not getting issued a T3, T5 slip, right? So I think that's a huge benefit because the underlying tax, when you think about it, is like a MER, right? Clients are so heavily focused on how much MERS you're paying. But if it's tax sheltered, you know, you can kind of look at the policy and say, well, it might have higher fees or whatnot. But I, you know, a lot, a lot of the times that uh, that that sheltering is less than the um, or is is much greater benefit than maybe the reduced fees you might have been paying had it been outside of the life insurance policy. Yeah, true. No, that totally makes sense. So it's a lot of you know you're saying that it's a lot of uh, balancing the risk and that emotion of the investor, like whoever your client is, that that's going to be the the main focus of whether they want to take those less risk, but uh, more comfort options. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, the emotion drives everything that we do. You know, we, uh, you know, we, we hear stuff like but Warren Buffett about buy low, sell high. The reality is we're not very good at that. You know, like on paper, we can do these kinds of things. We can, you know, in my, in my studies, you know, we sort of study things like CAPM and efficient market. And we kind of think about this, this, this theoretical curve, and this is the most efficient point on my portfolio of you know stock a and stock b but the reality is is that consumers and advisors we are driven by our emotions and sometimes we don't act on them as we should right so uh, i think the 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 life insurance component helps eliminate some of that risk because if you have this big negative performance in your portfolio and maybe the fund value of your investment is down inside the life insurance contract but you still have that death benefit that's still there. So you haven't really, your portfolio as a whole 
hasn't really taken a massive hit because you know while your account value dropped fifty thousand dollars you still have that million dollar death benefits right and a shield shielding yeah, from yeah exactly exactly mm. so i think the insurance helps remove some of that emotional element in investing um, how would you, if you were giving this to a client, how would you want to structure the policies so that they would maximize the potential value to the client as an asset? Uh, well, I, I mean, not to give you sort of generic answers, but ultimately it, it depends on the need of the client, right? And if it's mm-hmm. personal policies or corporate owned policies, their risk tolerance, each type of product has their own kinds of pros and cons to it, right? And one well, underlying investment you pick, right? If you, you know, for example, if you have a conservative investor, um, and so, you know, they're not really interested in going to equities. And so you would kind of think, well, whole life might be that go-to product, right? My client is 75 years old. And so let's buy a whole life policy. But, you know, if you had a corporate owned application, you may not necessarily want to go with the whole life policy. It might not be a popular opinion. You might actually want to just use a UL policy, go use a YRT structure, which will give you the best ACV grind, and mm-hmm. pick a nice smooth return fund that will give you that whole life-like experience so you're not going to have any negative returns, but you have much better uh, efficiencies and CDA credits down the road to maximize estate values. So I would sort of look at the the client risk profile and their ages as well, right? That sort of drives things as well. You know, the example that I gave you might not work that well for a younger person because the way the the cost curve works, you know, as it kind of grows over time, that cost curve might get pretty high. So I don't know if that necessarily helps you, but uh, the answer typically tends to be depends. I mean, that's, that's 50% of the life insurance industry game, right? Is, well, it depends. <laughs> yeah. It's it, it, like, like I, I can have the identical age client, uh, but I could recommend two different solutions because one might have a different risk tolerance. One might be corporate owned, one might not be corporate owned, right? That's right. So what are the differences that you see a lot of the time when it comes between those two? Like when it is a, a corporate comes, to, a corporate policy comes to you, um, as opposed to a private, like what is the biggest differences that you see normally between the two? In terms of uh, like uh, the the structure of them, or uh, stru- the structure, you know, just the way you approach it. If you were like if you were the advisor approaching the situation, how would you approach it differently, or what what would you look at differently between the two? Well, I, I, I come it come down to basically um, like cash. I think that that's what sort of drives a lot of these deals, right? So, you know, how important is cash value to you? Because you know, if I if you want early cash value, you will have to pay for that in the back end. So, if the client is a wants a whole life policy and nothing else, um, and they they want cash immediate cash access, not necessarily for leveraging, but just sort of that comfort that asset class sale, they have to realize that, well, I, I can give you a heavy, rich, early cash value product up front, but the back end may not have that massive lift that you are hoping for. So if you have a specific tax liability down the road, that might be more challenging to reach that objective. So you got to figure out how important is that cash? And if it's not that important, 
maybe we should be looking at an estate product instead of an early cash value whole life product. And, you know, conversely, if, you know, if it's a UL client, I could ask a similar question. You know, I, I can, if you don't want cash, if that's not important to you and you want to get the most amount of death benefit, how I configure and design that policy might be completely different. I might design the policy where I'm getting the most amount of death benefit possible by grinding that cash value down over time. So as long as you don't mind having, you know, almost nominal cash by life expectancy, here's the benefit I can give you by doing, by structuring it this way. That's a really like different way to think, you know, that it's no matter what it is, you can kind of like accommodate these policies and structure them in ways that no matter what we've talked about, you know, whether it's corporate or personal, whether it's, you know, rich client, et cetera, or the risk that they want to take, you can kind of structure these uh, in different ways. And it, I think that's oh, something sure. that people don't think about when it comes to insurance. They think about it so rigidly. Yeah. And in a lot of our cases, we actually will we'll have the client will split the risk. It'll go with us for some of the coverage and us and the rest, another company for the, the balance of the coverage. Because, you know, both pro our product and their product might have different strengths and weaknesses. And the advisor wants to play on the strengths of each company's products, right? So it's very, it's very common for us to see on really large files it being split between us and another company. Mm. Nick, when you're dealing with advisors, what, what uh, often do you hear when they are inquiring about how they can best leverage this uh, asset idea with the, their policies? Um, I, I mean, in my experience, it's, it's kind of the day-to-day -day speaking with advisors and, and they're looking for ways, uh, I mean, first and foremost, to kind of expand their business or expand their horizon for their business as far as maybe kind of moving from the middle market and growing, scaling their business into kind of more of a, a high net worth potentiality. Um, as far as the solutions themselves, uh, it, again, kind of highly customizable to the situation. Um, I will say kind of even just in discussions with uh, kind of other industry players like Pierre and, and uh, people like Chuck Shu at Canada Life, uh, there, there's a lot of, in some cases, concern around making sure advisors have kind of the, the, the best possible information at their disposal to make sure they're, one, being compliant and two, giving the best recommendations to their clients too, based on the situation. Because like Pierre said, like these things are, are so customizable. There's a, there's a million different iterations of everything. Every single person, despite how similar they might be, their two solutions likely will be entirely different. Um, and so I think that's, that's kind of like, I guess, kind of the scare and also the appeal to it is that some advisors are, are kind of hesitant to work with it in the sense that um, it's a lot to take on, like especially as a newer advisor. Uh, but also at the same rate that that opens up totally different opportunities for an advisor business as far as size of cases and potential opportunities and the, and the type of clients to work with. Um, that, that would be kind of the, the rundown kind of from my perspective. Well, I have one last question, Pierre, for you, kind of wrap up here. But if you were to sit down with a younger advisor, somebody who's just, just newly entering the field, what kind of advice would you give them surrounding using life insurance as an asset or the way that they can think about how they can best meet the needs of their clients? I would say, you know, talk to the client and really find out what drives them. A lot of times uh, I come across advisors that will like want a million quotes done without even having much of a meaningful conversation with the client. And the advisor might make certain assumptions. 
because of some of the, their own biases they actually have because they sort of way they sort of run their business. Um, so I would say have good conversations with clients, figure out what really is driving, what's, what's driving them, what's important to them, what they value the most. And then you sort of work backwards to figure out the product. Like the product is the easiest part. Once you have all the facts of a case, uh, product selection and designing is just, it's, it's incredibly easy to do it. So that's my advice to uh, younger advisors. That's a really good way to put it. Absolutely. Well, Pierre, it's been uh, amazing having you on. Uh, it was great having this conversation. I've learned a lot. Um, so, Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, we'd love to have you on again. Sure. But thank you very much again for coming on, uh, and we'll talk to you another time. Great. Take care, guys. Thank you. Thanks so much, Pierre. Thank you for joining us for the premiere episode of Policy Pod by LDA. We hope that you are able to take away some new understanding about using life insurance as an asset class. Anyway, that's our show, so I'll leave you with just a few things. If you've never used life design analysis before, sign up and try it free at www.lifedesignanalysis.com forward slash sign up to see the difference it will make for your practice. That's www.lifedesignanalysis.com forward slash sign hyphen up. You can also follow us on YouTube at Life Design Analysis or follow us and connect with us on LinkedIn. We'd love to talk to you. Thank you very much. And I look forward to talking with you all again very soon.